Live from the Jacob Media Studios, it's Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough on News Talk 1400 WOND. Be inspired, learn and understand the power of becoming a servant leader and transform your life while serving our nation. Meet those who have served our country. Learn about prosperity and overcome sickness, poverty, and despair. Serving Our Nation begins right now. Good afternoon and welcome to episode 47 of Serving Our Nation. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and if today is your first time tuning into the program, I just want to share with you the heart behind Serving Our Nation. This is a program that is focused on encouraging people to become servant leaders, and my goal is to offer you hope and encouragement through stories each week of people that have dedicated their lives to living out this idea of servant leadership and honoring God, because what I know is that when you do that and you live out this idea of service, blessings just naturally follow as a byproduct of that service, because all of us are ministers of some kind, and because of that, it is our obligation, our responsibility to use the gifts that God has given us to fill a need whenever we see a need. We can't just walk by and pretend that it doesn't exist. Because serving is for everyone in all walks of life, no matter what your occupation or what your particular giftings might be. And we've seen that over and over again in many different occupations and people's way of life. So people in the military, business, faith leaders, community leaders, and even people that just focus on serving their family. And so for uh, last week, if you missed out, the guest was Mr. Todd Sullivan. And Todd had such a powerful story about why serving the aging community is important to him and how he has gotten after that work for the last 12 to 15 years. And because of his diligence and his heart for the aging community, not only has he been promoted, but he's also, more importantly, a leader in his home. He has the true respect, support, and admiration of his wife and his kids. He demonstrates leadership both in his family and the work that he does in his community. So if you did not have a chance to listen to episode 46, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that show and hear Todd's story. But for today, just a little bit about me that's relevant. I have the great opportunity of serving as a member of the lead team for Kingsway Leadership School as well as the academic director for that program. And through Kingsway Leadership School, KLS, I'm honored to have a friend in Sam Copeland. She is a KLS student pursuing a Master's of Divinity. She's also a Director of Case Management for Bethany Christian Services, and she's also a mentor for Team Moms through Young Lives in Camden, New Jersey. So when we come back from the break, I'll be joined by Miss Sam Copeland. So stay with us. We'll be right back. I know the road you walked was anything but easy You picked up your share of scars along the way But now you're standing in the sun You fought your fight and your race is run The pain is all a million miles away You're listening to Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough a Jacob Media Production. And welcome back to Serving Our Nation. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and today I'm joined by Miss Samantha Copeland. Sam, first of all, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be here with me today. Happy to be here, Paul. 
Sam, you know, in interacting with you in the last year and a half in Kingsway Leadership School, I've gotten to know you, not just in the periphery, but we've also developed a bit of a personal relationship as well through all of your stories that you've shared and just how much God has really worked in your life. And that's why I wanted to have you on the program. And I think it would be great if you would share with the listeners today, just to begin with, what was your journey that led you to KLS? You know, what did that mean to you and how did God bring you to it? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, originally my plans, my goals for my life was to consider pursuing the MSW or Masters in Social Work. And, you know, the Lord had other plans. And so through uh, prayer and devotion, I felt like he was leading me to uh, my Masters of Divinity. But um, you know, and I knew about KLS through being involved with Kingsway Church. And, you know, I think this, I knew that was the program that the Lord was leading me to. Um, but at that time in that season, the master's program was yeah. not there. And so I just knew like the Lord was stirring on my heart to just do KLS, even though, you know, there was no master's program yet. And mm-hmm. so I was, you know, leaning towards getting another bachelor's. And it was maybe two weeks before that semester started um, that Angie, who is also a leader uh, in KLS, uh, informed me that they had just added the master's program just as I was about to start. And so I knew that that was where the Lord was leading me in that season. So, Sam, I'm not in the MDiv program, but speaking with you on numerous occasions, it's not an easy lift, right? The MDiv has a whole lot of academic requirements. So why the MDiv of all the different things you could have done? And, you know, you mentioned that KLS opened up uh, some additional doors. Not only was there associates and bachelors, but now there's additional master's degree programs. Why the MDiv? Why take on that heavy burden for yourself and that big academic lift with everything else you have going on? Yeah, um, it was a matter of obedience. You know, I think you know, once you just go and you say yes to what God has for you, he will honestly supply you with the strength that you need to finish it through. Um, honestly, and even with the MDiv program is like so much wisdom and knowledge and leadership and, and even mentorship with some of the professors that I've had mm-hmm. um, that at the end of the day, it's like just to grow in my intimacy with the Lord. Yeah. Um, and so like, you know, obviously it is a lot to tackle. Um, but obviously using discernment on what classes even to take um, in each season and saying like, you know, where can I take this on or take that on? Or is this, you know, class like systematic theology too, <laughs> you know, for a different season, uh, depending upon, you know, what else I have going on. So. And so is it a very structured program where you have to take, you know, X number of classes or do you have a lot of latitude in, you know, this elective and that elective? Yeah. So some will have like pre prerequisites to each other, um, but other ones, you know, it's you work with your advisor in your, you know, uh, three year, two year uh, plan and program to see what you have to take next. Um, But obviously there's still some flexibility in when you graduate. And now that you're a year and a half in, do you feel like you are still being obedient to what God has called? Or do you feel like, you know, maybe the Holy Spirit is calling you in a different direction? No, I, so I think, you know, after being a year in, I am, I'm absolutely wholeheartedly um, obedient and, and knowing like the Lord is so good. On the other side of this, I have no idea yeah. um, what he has in store, but I know like he's gotten me this far. So, Amen. Mm-hmm. So, 
you've been in the program now, Kingsway Leadership School, for about a year and a half. And there's been a lot of people that have given you blocks of instruction, spoken life into you, mentors, a wide variety of people have, you know, stood in front of you and told you different things. What would you say has been the greatest lesson about servant leadership that you have taken away? Like the mission of the program is developing the next generation of servant leaders. Mm -hmm. And so what has that journey been like for you? What did, what did nugget have you gotten? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is learning, you know, when to ask for help. And obviously using delegation in a project or planning is, you know, is super beneficial, but also learning to identify and see other people on your team as God sees them. So if someone is gifted in a certain area, like call that out in them, but mm -hmm. also use those gifts for serve project, you know, and, and this past serve project just to um, bounce off of it is, uh, you know, we were able to come alongside and, and partner with Beth Anna Services in Philadelphia. And one of the girls in our team in our group was gifted in calligraphy. And I, I knew that. And so I, I asked her if she could take all these journals and write a specific uh, verse and scripture on each one of them. Mm -hmm. And so just like utilizing everybody's gifts yeah. so that they too can feel like you know, they're, they're a part of something bigger than themselves. They're making a contribution to the fight. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You know, looking at the journals that that particular student did, I, I was absolutely amazed by that work. And I think what you said is so important because everybody has different giftings, right? Like there's certain mm -hmm. things I'm really good at and certain things I'm terrible at. But when you can really identify people's strengths and let them engage in those areas and capitalize on that not only does it make them feel good like they're making a valuable contribution they're a valued member of the team mm -hmm. but it also makes the effort go so much better because people are engaging in their strengths they're doing what god wired and designed them to do mm -hmm. absolutely so you talked a little bit about serve projects and for context for people that might not be familiar with Kingsway Leadership School, the students are asked to do a serve project of their own choosing. They design it, they build it, they plan for it, prepare, execute, all of that once every quarter. So about once every eight weeks, the students are engaging in a service project. And so Sam, you have been in the program now for a year and a half. You've participated in, I think, six or seven over the course of that time, and you've led quite a few of them. So would you share a little bit, you know, maybe your favorite couple serve projects that you've been a part of or that you've led and why they're so meaningful to you? Yeah, absolutely. So last year I had the privilege of leading um, one serve project with uh, Urban Promise. And so we uh, came alongside them and they identified 12 to 13 families within the city that they knew needed food, clothes and gifts for the holiday season. And so, you know, the Lord was able to provide. And, you know, what was amazing is Urban Promise even gave us $2,000 of the $5,000 we were able to raise. And, you know, I took every one of the, the students to places like Lytle or um, Foreman Mills. And then even for gifts and toys, I told them just to get the word out and different people to donate mm -hmm. or for us to um, go out and buy those gifts ourselves. And so 
Um, the Lord taught me a lot in that season um, and really just relying on him to supply all my needs. Yes. And so uh, one of my other favorite serve projects um, <clears throat> that was able to um, be a part of uh, was, well, to the other women from last year that I really look up to and appreciate was um, serving the migrant farm workers mm-hmm. and, you know, Karen, who oversaw that and so much uh, wisdom and planning and discernment that was used in that. And then uh, Miss Cynthia then led with Young Lives, uh, helping and serving teen moms again in Camden, who, you know, were now in a position to be young mothers, but to also transform them and future generations with the gospel. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think all of those were just like a lot of learning lessons, but so... Uh, monumental to my faith as well. So for people that might be listening right now, you know, a a lot of people, when you say to them a serve project or, you know, we're going to go out and do this thing in the community, they feel very overwhelmed. They feel maybe burdened and, oh, well, that's not my job. I'm a good person. I don't need to do that. There's other organizations. The list of excuses goes on and on. Mm -hmm. And, seeing you guys firsthand engage in these things and coming alongside you in every single one where my schedule would allow, there was so much work and planning and preparation that went into it. And some of them you were at the helm at, and even the ones where you were not personally at the helm, mm-hmm. I know how much work that you personally invested into those, like even just going out to organizations and asking them to support you. I know how many different places that you went to mm-hmm. and said, hey, can you help us financially? Can you give us gift cards, whatever it is? Mm-hmm. what's your why why put in all that effort why engage in all these serve projects and do hours and hours and hours of your time to benefit somebody else yeah um so i think you know and it's it's so good that you asked that i think on the other side of me serving other people i see myself mm. um whether it is a family whether it is a migrant farm worker or it like you know, in my own story, in my own upbringing, and, you know, obviously not to get too into it too deep today, but, um, you know, I think that there is a Samantha Copeland out there as well that, um, what, you know, is, is questioning, is wondering, you know, where or who is God. And I want to be that catalyst for change within that person's life, that if they can see somebody giving back to them and, and helping them or, you know, supplying them with clothes or food mm-hmm. or gifts that they're like, I want to know who this God person is for yes. myself as well. Yeah. Well, Sam, let me ask you this. The, the premise of this show and what I talk about in the beginning of each episode is that when you are a servant leader and you really just dedicate your life to honoring God and serving other people, blessings come back to you. God honors that service. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if that's been true in your life. You know, you've been involved with the program for a year and a half and clearly with your heart for the Lord and, you know, servant leadership and all those things, I would have to imagine you've been doing it long before you were in KLS. What blessings has God given you as a result of your life and the way that you honor him and how you lead? Yeah. I mean, he, he continually blesses me with different relationships. Um, kind of like gleaning again from what KLS has brought to me and how it has blessed my life. Um, specifically some of those same women that I consider mentors, 
um, they too, and again, not to get into it, but they uh, have their own stories mm-hmm. and I have mine. And, you know, the Lord has been so good at bringing people together within my life that I can gain insight and wisdom on to self-reflect yeah. um, in my own walk. And then it's like, okay, what did the Lord teach you in this season when you went through this? Or when you were going through that, what did what did he show you? And so I just see how intentional he is with bringing people into my life um, to speak into to different areas. And I'm so thankful. So. so I love what you said that one of the biggest blessings is relationships. And I know every student is assigned a mentor when they come into the program. So was it the mentors that you've been assigned or, you know, you mentioned Karen, you mentioned Cynthia, you know, what would you say was the greatest thing that somebody has spoken into your life of all the relationships and all the people that you've engaged with? What's the greatest nugget or thing that really has just sunk into your heart from your relationships with people? Mm. Um, that is a wonderful question. I So I think in really reflecting on that is, you know, one specific person, there's been a lot of people that have really um, poured into my walk of faith and, you know, even outside of KLS. And so one specific individual was actually my youth pastor mm. who, you know, in a season, and again, it was 19 at the time, but I was, um, you know, I was starting to get more involved with my home church after high school. And, you know, I did whatever I needed to do or was asked to do. We yeah. Stack chairs, clean toilets, yeah. <laughs> whatever, you know, was asked of me. And he would take time out of his busy day and come alongside of me and say like, you know, call things out of me and use words of affirmation. But then he would also say like, Sam, you have a quiet strength. And I didn't really know what that meant at the time, but you know, just him being intentional with me in that moment and obviously every other moment going forward, um, it just made such an impact to know that I was seen, I was heard, and again, he had no idea uh, where you know my my testimony, my story was. But um, yeah, the Lord was working in him then too, and I hope now to give back to others in the same way He did for me. Amen. Well, I am loving this conversation with Miss Samantha Copeland. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, I will continue the conversation with Miss Sam. Oakland. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Have you ever been left when you should have been loved? Has there ever been a time when you stay but you should have run? Cause I've been real, I've been fake. Been a sinner, been a saint. I've been right, I've been so, so wrong. If you're interested in connecting with Dr. Paul McCullough or interested in being featured on the show, contact Jacob Media Partners via LinkedIn. Now, back to Serving Our Nation. And welcome back to Serving Our Nation. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and today I'm joined by Miss Samantha Copeland. So, Sam, we talked a lot in the first segment about your work with KLS and all of the things that you've learned from there, but... You know, as I look at your bio and as I've had an opportunity to get to know you better in the last year and a half, your service does not stop there. 
you are deeply involved in your community. And I want to explore that a little bit. So you presently work in an organization where you're helping with adoption. And I have never adopted any children. I have two children of my own, but I can't imagine how heart-wrenching some of the stories must be that you've observed and things you've had to engage in. So I want to start off with like, what was your motivation to even get into that line of work where you know it's going to pull at your heartstrings so much? Mm, Yeah. And it kind of goes back to what I was able to mention before is like, um, just having that empathy for kids that, you know, when I, I do hear certain stories, I do hear certain unfortunate like stories of abuse or neglect. Um, you know, I, I just have a heart to meet them where they're at. Mm -hmm. And, you know, prior to adoption, I was working in reunification. And so what that looks like is obviously a child is, you know, in some cases removed from the home, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're working with the parent to do everything that they can, um, whether it goes, you know, into court and the child's going to therapy and what have you. But it's also beautiful that even with whatever obstacles the family came in with, that I've seen the Lord also redeem a lot of brokenness in certain families. But um, what led me to want to get more into adoption is knowing that in seeing so many kids um, that weren't reunified with their family members or weren't able to be adopted by uh, a relative, yeah. which led them to having open adoption. Um, but obviously there's so many kids in foster care that age out and have no form of, like no support system, uh, no no one to lean on to help them. And so I wanted to be a part of that change so that more kids um, could find their forever home and a family that could support them and love them uh, no matter what. So for people that might not be as familiar with the system as you are, can you explain this term of aging out? What does that mean and how is it a roadblock to some young kids? Yeah, so aging out of foster care looks like, you know, I mean, uh, basically they have been uh, in different homes within foster care and then they get to the age of 18 and you know, now is this position where kids are looking to go to college, kids are looking to uh, work full-time jobs. Um, But obviously, you know, for some of us, that is hard to do Mm -hmm. um, on our own and Mm -hmm. to kind of now lean on ourselves to want to pursue certain things. And so um, I just can't imagine having to do all of that alone. Yeah. And um, I know at the end of the day, having a family alongside of you with that um, just creates a lot more stability yeah. within kids. So, Absolutely. You know, my son just turned 18. And for as long as I can remember, I had always given him wolf paraphernalia. So I had a wolf knife and a plate and, you know, just all these different things with an image of a wolf on there. And I would give these things to him telling him, you know, these things were important to me when I was a kid and my parents gave them to me. And so I want to give you something as my son that was important to me. And so here you go, hold on to this. And it wasn't until he got a little bit older that I explained to him why the wolf. And so a wolf is part of a pack Mm. and that pack will always travel together. And in any wolf pack, there's an alpha wolf, right? There, there's a clear leader, somebody that's in charge and is going to set the direction. And so within my family, our pack, 
I'm the alpha wolf, right? However, my son is turning 18. He's now, excuse me, he just turned 18. Mm -hmm. So he's now a young man. And it's in his DNA to want to be an alpha wolf. And so I explained to him, and during his 18th birthday party coming of age ceremony, we had this big, long conversation about how it is time for him to start his own pack. It is time for him to be his own alpha wolf and get out from under my shadow mm -hmm. and to go be his own man. But here's the beauty about a wolf pack. If a wolf is ever in trouble, all a wolf ever needs to do mm -hmm. is howl, right? And the wolf pack will come running to that wolf's rescue, right? Mm -hmm. And so I said to him, hey, listen, you might be going off, you might be starting your own pack and you're going to be your own alpha wolf, that's great. But know that I'm still here for you. I'm still your support system. I still have your back. Mm -hmm. So I, I love your heart for that and just being able to provide these young kids that, you know, have aged out, as you said, mm -hmm. with a way that they can howl or call for help. I, I love that, Sam. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So with the work that you've done with the adoption services and all the families you've had to engage with, what's what's the hardest thing that you've had to do? Like, what's been the most gut-wrenching for you? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's been a lot of different instances, uh, you know, where it was, you know, it was very heartbreaking. But I think just kind of gleaning from uh, reunification uh, for a moment, I recall a time when the case had opened up due to mom. Uh, she, you know, unfortunately was found uh, using uh, certain drugs mm -hmm. around her, her child, and then the child had to be removed. Yeah. And, you know, in this case, I explained to her what her single case plan goals would be. Mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously scheduling visitations at the agency for her to come and and see her son and, and stay in contact, everything, um, and then coordinating court dates and all that. But through the whole thing and and trying to get her therapy and put her in rehab, it was it was a lot of pushback. There yeah. was, um, you know, I mean, she cussed me out a couple times. She wow. <laughs> she was I mean, just very heated. Yeah. Um, but more so, she was I think angry yeah. at her situation. And um, you know, through this, I even was able to help the child and get them into a children's crisis treatment center over in Philadelphia wow. um, where he would go and, and he really benefited from it. And so um, it took about a good year and a half going through that. Um, but mom then was able to get clean from her addiction to cocaine while going to this rehab. And again, was able to work out some of her own past trauma that led to that. And, um, and then the child also had experienced therapy. And so, you know, through this, uh, you know, mom and child are now reunified. And at no point at all did, you know, mom ever say, like, thank you and, you know, all that. But that yeah. that was not why I did it. Yeah, I did it for the child that they may have a better future because now there's more stability and grounding within the home. And I think it was during that season that the Lord was, you know, it was hard for me. And I, I brought it before the Lord and he was like, you don't get to choose or pick and choose whose feet you wash. Wow. And so I, I just learned a lot from that in that season. So, so Sam, it, just listening to that story, it, it definitely feels like your work makes an impact on a lot of people. 
But I wonder as you reflect on all the different things that you've done, all the families and all of that, what is some of the fruit that you've seen? You know, clearly there's impact and there's tears and, you know, all of that stuff. What kind of fruit have you seen God bring from the darkness, right? Like we know throughout scripture that God works all things for good, right? So the enemy, Satan, whatever you want to call him, might mean things for bad and for destruction and darkness. God turns it around for good. Mm -hmm. How have you seen that fruit come about from what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. I've seen it so beautiful because it's like there's kids that deal with um, so much trauma. And, you know, I think even with them going to therapy, there's, you know, depending on what the trauma is, we'll still have somewhat time to deal with that. Mm -hmm. Um, But kids that were very isolated or... um, depressed or very anxious or unsure of themselves um then come out of certain spaces filled with joy Mm. and learning how to be a kid again you know in some cases where they are a parent uh to their own parents so they don't know how it is to just be a kid yeah um and in those spaces i've i've allowed and encouraged certain kids to be challenged by you know, uh, not having to put everything on themselves and what joy comes from that to where, you know, it's like you're 13, but you're acting like you're 30. Yeah. And, you know, um, just to see that turnaround for certain kids that do end up getting adopted, um, where in a space they can be their age. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Hey, Amen. I love it. It's <laughs> great. So I, I wonder, has there been anything from... KLS that has maybe colored your perspective or changed how you interact with these families or, you know, maybe helped you with the performance of your job, anything like that? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's like I said, um, there has been help with delegation Mm -hmm. and obviously with social work, um, or even in ministry, there's a risk of burnout. Yeah. And when you don't know how to ask for help or to say to a coworker, like, Hey, I need, um, X, Y, and Z, like I'm going through this today. You need to have, um, self-awareness. And I think KLS has taught me a lot about what it means to be self-aware, but to also, um, you know, ask for certain people in your life to be that support system and to lead you in that season. Um, whatever you may be going through at work or um, in ministry. Yeah. Wow. So (laughs) it's very hard to believe, but your servant leadership still doesn't stop there. So it's not enough for you to do an MDiv. It's not enough to work with adoption services and even engage in KLS. You want to take it a step further and you engage in Young Lives. You mentioned that was one of the service projects that was done in KLS, Mm -hmm. but you engage there on your own, helping young teen moms. So again, I, I have to scratch my head and wonder why, what, what's the heart behind it? What compels you to want to get out and serve so many people in all these different ways, especially, and that's a very challenged demographic and mm-hmm. then people that have a, a whole lot of hurt behind them. So what's the heart behind that? Yeah. So Again, with a lot of, you know, teen moms, specifically in Young Lives or, you know, in Camden, is, again, with the support system. Um, But also knowing how much the Lord has impacted my life and knowing that, you know, generationally, 
you can impact the lives of these moms too. You know, they're, they're young, they need resources, they need support, they need validation and, and, you know, kind of asking, you know, what got them into that position in the first place. Yeah. And a lot of these girls want to be loved. Yeah. They want to be seen, they want to be valued. And um, what better opportunity in time when they are in this, this season to then introduce them to Christ mm-hmm. and hopefully have um, their kids be introduced to the gospel in that season as well. And so I just have a heart for anyone or anything that it just reminds me of, you know, where God has come through um, or where, you know, um, I needed the Lord in those seasons too. I, I love what you said about they need to feel loved and cared for mm-hmm. and accepted. I remember when we did the surf project with the young lives at the church. And at this point, I think it was over a year ago now. It was quite a while mm-hmm. ago. I remember them being very apprehensive about even coming in the church. Like they wouldn't be welcome, mm-hmm. right? Like whatever decisions they made, right, wrong, or indifferent in the past, have somehow barred them from even coming in the church doors. And I remember watching you engage with them. And then you spoke to them later during a different part of the event. And your message was very much one of acceptance, one of love. And you would embrace them like they were your sister. Mm-hmm. right? I, I don't know if you knew these girls or not, but you were embracing them and talking to them and caring for them like they're a member of your family. Mm-hmm. So I, I love how much you, you said you see yourself in these people. I, I, I love that about you, Sam. Thank you. Thanks. Well, listen, we got about a minute left. So I, I want to close with what thoughts or advice would you give to a young woman that might be dealing currently with trauma mm-hmm. or she's recovering from trauma? What, what would you say to her given all that you've done and your own personal experiences? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say it is okay to not be in control. Um, you know, in the seasons when, whether you have experienced trauma, um, that I think coming out of it, there is this tendency to want to take control of certain situations or even people around you. And it's like, you can't do that. Um, And those same girls are in a position or have been in a position where everything's out of control in the home life, in their friendships, their life, in their situation. And so I would just encourage them to surrender all of those fears, anxieties unto the Lord and to just really lean on him for support and let them know that you can trust him and he's worthy of um, everything that you're going through at the end of the day. Amen. Sam, it has been such an honor and a privilege to have you on the show today to hear your story. And I, I really believe that your story, your words, your life will be an influence to thousands of people that are listening to the show today and maybe in the future. So I can't thank you enough for coming on the program. Thank you so much, Paul. All right, when we come back from the break, we're going to reflect on the lessons of servant leadership that we've heard today from Samantha Copeland. So stay with us. Someone will come running, and I know they'll take you.
You're listening to Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough, a Jacob Media Production. And welcome back to Serving Our Nation. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough. And as we close out today's show, let's think about what we've heard from Samantha Copeland. Sam had so many really, really great examples of servant leadership, but I want to go over just a few of the things that she said and really draw your attention to a couple, what I think are really great life lessons that all of us can apply as we strive to be servant leaders. And first thing, I I love what Sam said about seeing the unique gifts in other people. I open up each show talking about how each person is a minister and we're all given special gifts by God. And Sam honed in on that exact thing. Nobody has the exact same giftings, right? Everybody is created differently. Everybody has their own DNA. We all have our own abilities and upbringing and education, all those things that makes us who we are. But what makes us really special really good servant leaders is to be able to see those talents and those gifts in other people and let them operate in their sweet spot to be able to identify what somebody's really good at speak words life into them about that let them execute those type of tasks because that's going to be a blessing not just to that person it's going to be a blessing to the organization whatever it is that person's doing it will be a tremendous blessing when you let them really work in what their strength is how god has designed them and i think that applies in any walk of life and then sam also said that she does all these different things in KLS and serve projects and the adoption services and young lives, all these things because she sees herself in other people. I wonder how often we do that. You know, we're challenged in scripture that when people look at us, that we should be a mirror image of God, the father of Jesus Christ, that when people look at us, they they should not see our physical body, but they should be overwhelmed by the Spirit of God that lives in us. And so with Sam focusing on how she sees herself and other people and really trying to minister to these people in a way that's uplifting to them, in a way that she would want to be uplifted people are no longer seeing sam copeland they're not seeing a person that may have gone through some hurt or some trauma when sam is ministering to people people are seeing the face of god people get to see what it is that jesus would have done if he was still walking the earth they get to see faith hope and love in action And so I would say to you, maybe it would be a good idea to look at other people from their lens, right? You want to be able to see, all right, well, how how can I identify with this person? How can I be empathetic to this person's situation? What have I gone through that maybe is the same thing? And when I was going through this, what what would I have wanted somebody else to do for me. And if we can do that in any walk of life, business, military, whatever it is, 
If we can do that, that could really, really change people's lives. Sam went on and she talked about the greatest blessing that she's received is relationships. And I wonder how much each of us really values the relationships in our lives. We don't engage in servant leadership for any kind of fame or fortune. We do it because we want to love other people. John 13, 34 says, Love others as I have loved you. And when Jesus walked the earth, he didn't care about money. He didn't care about status or anything at all like that. Jesus wanted relationship. He would go up to sinners. He'd go up to prostitutes, to criminals, to the lame, to people that were stricken with disease and embrace them and show them love. And that's what Sam is doing. She's building relationship. She doesn't care about how people are different than her or what mistakes they've made. She's embracing them with love. What more can each of us do in our own lives to really embrace people with that special kind of love in the way that Sam's doing? And then when you pull the string a little bit further, Sam talked about the blessings that she's been to other people and you know what that's meant to her and she said something really special she said you know in all the different things that i've done i normally don't get a thank you but what i do get is seeing the joy in other people's lives when i help them to have a better future when she can give a young person back their childhood when she can give a young teen mom a support system, when she can help break generational curses. Let me tell you, I, I was so incredibly moved by Sam's testimony today, by her stories. There are so many things that we can learn from Sam and how she lives and what it really means to be a servant leader. So I would say to you today, just in wrapping up this portion of the show, listen, what more can we do for other people. You know, in any walk of life, this is not specific to community or faith or business. Every single walk of life, you can do this. How can you bring joy to somebody's life? How can you help them live a more full life where they're happy about each day? Happiness is not a fleeting moment. Happiness and joy are decisions. You can choose to be happy. You can choose to have joy in your life. But a really great way of having that happen is when you have people in your court, when you have that support system. So who are you supporting today? Who do you have the back of? Who are you always reaching out to and letting them know Hey, you know what? I know you're going through a hard time, but I'm here for you. If you ever need me, I'm here for you. I would encourage all of us to think about those things today and really just reflect on the words of Sam Copeland. Well, listen, each week I talk to you about this idea of when you put good into the universe, 
good comes back to you. And I had a different story that I wanted to share with you, but God had something different that he wanted to tell me this morning. I have an opportunity to lead a life group or a small group for a group of men, and we call ourselves the Motivated Men. And we spend a lot of time encouraging one another and really building one another up and accountability and all those good things. But there was a man in our group that shared this morning. He said to his mom, his business wasn't doing too well. And his mom said to him, oh, son, listen, God is always faithful. God provides. Jehovah Jireh. He is our provision. She said to him, just continue to be faithful. Continue to pray. Continue to give. Continue to love other people. And God will honor that and be faithful to you. And so his mom prayed with him. And he said, okay, mom, I, I will do what you said. And I'll continue to be faithful. And I'll pray. And we'll, we'll see what God does. That very same day, that man got three brand new clients, brand new clients. God provides. When you are trying to do the right thing and you're, you're seeking the face of God and you're praying and you're giving and you're doing all the things that you know are right, God provides. God is always faithful. He's never early, but he's also never late. He is the God that is always on time. So I would encourage you, if you're in a time where you feel maybe despair or maybe you're out of money or whatever it is, whatever it is that you need, God is your provider. So be faithful. Continue to love other people. Continue to give. Continue to pray. And God will show up. Listen, next week, really excited about and guests for next week, two of my good friends, and both of them serve on the board of me for AUSA, the Association of the United States Army. So I have Lieutenant Colonel Charlie Wilson. So Charlie is the professor of military science at Drexel University. And my uh, other guest for next week is Cadet Joe Lappinson. And Joe, uh, not only is Joe a friend of mine, as is Charlie, but Joe is a cadet at Drexel University under the leadership of Lieutenant Colonel Charlie Wilson. So we're going to have a conversation next week with Charlie and Joe talking about servant leadership from each of their unique perspectives and how they live that out in the United States Army. So stay tuned for next week. It's going to be a great show. But for this week, as you go about your business, no matter where you're at or what you're doing, always ask, how can I help? Thanks for listening and join us again next week. I know the night won't last. Oh, no. Your word will come to me.